what if instead of buying a whole business, you're just buying a list of clients? This week, we got a celebrity question. Hey there, everyone. It's uh, David Barnett from davidcbarnett.com, the blog site, YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, podcast, and other places where I talk about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses. This week, I, I wouldn't kid you here, I got a question on a video from Kim Kardashian. Now, the video I made, it was from 2015, which is called Three Ways to Evaluate uh, the Price of a Business. And I'll, I'll put a link to it here floating above my head. But um, Kim asks the question, um, what's your take on buying a client list, not the business itself? What a great question. Um, because this comes up from time to time. And in certain industries, this is actually more the norm, sort of evaluating a client list and making a deal based on the client list versus the, the profit loss statements of the business itself. So, so first of all, let's make sure we understand what, that we know what we're talking about because the world of, you know, sort of client lists has a lot of variety in it. So in one extreme, uh, we have things like um, insurance brokers who have a client list, but those clients are all paying money for an insurance policy. And every year, a high percentage of those people will renew. So that client list is really a cash flow. It's you, you know, you buy that client list, you're going to be enjoying the cash flow coming from the, the commissions from the insurance company, for example. And there are some other types of client lists that are very similar to that. So things like life insurance policies, you know, uh, when one life insurance uh, agent wants to retire, it's very often for someone to come and take over their book of business. The same thing also happens in the world of stockbrokers, where someone can retire and another person can take over their book. Now, as you increase the amount of interaction between the, the business operator and the clients, then you have more and more of an opportunity for those clients to not like dealing with the new person and want to leave, right? Because nothing really binds the clients to the business if you were to sell the list of clients to someone else. And so as we get further and further away from the certainty of cash flow associated with the client list, then we have a greater and greater risk in making this acquisition. So another step removed from from these sort of cash flow client lists would be things like an accounting practice. You know, uh, think of a CPA firm. They may have hundreds of clients on a list. These people come in every year to have their taxes done, but the number of contacts is less frequent. The cash flow is less frequent. Um, you know, someone can move away, etc. If someone moves from one city to another, they might actually keep their their car insurance with the same insurance agent but they may move CPAs because now they're in a new city. And those people come in and they deal with the CPA either over the phone or in person. And there's a much greater likelihood if they don't get the service or whatever that they're looking for, that they might choose to move on. So in the accounting firms, that client list has a greater degree of uncertainty. And, and I've worked on some of these deals, so I've seen this myself. And then if we get even further removed from that, you could have something like a retail store, which might have a database of, of customers, but there's no contractual obligation or any particular reason why people have to keep coming back to that store. It's just that we have a marketing tool 
where we can maybe send out promotions and things by email or call up clients that haven't been in six months and just ask them if we can help them out. And so that client list obviously would be worth even more or riskier to acquire than the CPA's list, which would be riskier to acquire than that life insurance agent's list, for example. So when we're thinking about what would make sense to buy a client list, we're thinking about a lot of different things. And it really just highlights the normal process for business pricing anyway. When you're buying a business, you determine what the cash flow is, and then you determine what is the riskiness of this cash flow continuing under my stewardship. And that measures or, or informs your decision about how much you're willing to pay for that cash flow. It's exactly the same thing with a client list. You're trying to figure out what is the reasonable cash flow from that list and what am I willing to pay for it? Now, the further we get away from that you know, insurance broker list into the riskier and riskier types of client lists, the less you're going to want to pay because the less certain the cash flow is going to be. And this is start, this is where we start to see greater and greater levels of creativity. So for example, in one of the deals that I helped someone with for an accounting firm, um, there was a very small payment to the seller for the accounting practice and what happened is all the existing clients of that practice were put on what was called a legacy client list. And every year, the buyer of the accounting firm would figure out how much revenue was generated from the people on the legacy list, and the seller would get a cut of that money. And so the seller maintained an ownership interest or a, an equity interest, if you will, in that client list. And over the next several years, they got payments from the new owner based on the number of clients that remained. And so what that did is it meant that the, the new owner would, could go and find new clients, which would not form part of the payment to the seller. So it's not truly an earnout on the business. It's just an earnout on that legacy client list. But if there were any you know, growing customers on that list and the revenues started to go up, it would mean that the seller would enjoy some of that benefit as well. They would get some of that money. And this is critical for something like a professional practice, like a, like a CPA firm, because that seller is going to continue to be in the community. They're going to run into their former clients at the grocery store, on the golf course, et cetera. And you want that seller to be encouraging those clients to do business with the new owner you know, there's something in it for the seller. They're going to continue to get, to, to get payments every year based on their activity. And you want that seller to be the cheerleader if you're the buyer of that client list. Now, as we move even further away into riskier and riskier client lists from even the CPA firm, you know, I'm thinking of like a, some kind of retail store. Like what if you had the finest hat store in all of Houston, right? And you sold big cowboy hats and stuff. Well, you know, nothing really is going to drive those customers to have to come back to the hat store. And maybe you sold them a hat once years ago, they're still in the computer. You know, what are you going to do with that list? You're going to send promotions to people. A very small percentage of them may respond to that. You might be able to generate some business out of that list, but who knows? Well, in that case, often it doesn't even make sense to acquire the list at all. What it makes more sense is to do some kind of joint venture with the list owner. So if that hat store is closing down or they need to, you know, relocate or what have you, and another hat store wants to buy their list, 
then they could work out some kind of deal. For example, I'll send a promotion on cowboy hats to everyone on your client list. And for every person that brings in the coupon, I'll make you a payment. So this would fall into the category of a joint venture where there's no real investment on the part of the buyer or user of the list. It's all in the results. So in this case, there, there's so much risk that you won't be able to derive any revenue from the list that you're just going to share with the list owner what you're able to do through sending out some kind of promotion to the people on the list. And when we start to get to this far removed in the, the riskiness of the client list and the cash flow that's generated by the list, we really can start to change our modality of thinking from acquiring an asset or acquiring a business to that of, you know, compensating a salesperson. In a lot of businesses that have a sales force, uh, people are out there trying to drum up business and they typically earn a commission for themselves on every sale that's brought in. And in that way, you as a, as a, a business owner who wants to grow your business and is looking at some of these people that own lists, you can start to think of those people kind of like commissioned salespeople. And you can approach many different people in many different industries. So for example, uh, I've seen an instance before where a, um, a jeweler would send out a promotion for a dentist for teeth whitening services. And the idea being that people who have discretionary income to spend on jewelry might also be interested in that kind of service from the dentist. So here we've got two completely unrelated industries, but it made sense for those two business owners to work on uh, some sort of joint venture promotion with each other. And so in that case, what was happening is the, the jewelry store clients were getting a promotion from the dentist. And then later the dentist was including in one of his mail outs to clients, a promotional piece from the jewelry store. And these guys were trying to help each other with the idea that they might have overlapping demographics amongst their clientele. And don't forget, if you like the videos, please hit the like button. It really does a lot to help the YouTube algorithm to spread this message to people who, who need to hear it. And if you're serious about buying a business and you want to learn how to do it in a risk-controlled way, then I highly recommend you head over to businessbuyeradvantage.com. Sign up for my it's 13 and a half hour now online course. It's just a few hundred dollars. It takes you through a case study from start to finish, how you find a business, how you negotiate for it, how you do the normalization, how you figure out what it might be worth to you, how you get the financing, and what the risks are and what you have to watch out for and protect yourself against. And with that, We'll say see you later. I love you all very much. And we'll chat next week. Cheers.